0: Discuss now is number one a beautiful beautiful speech a beautiful sermon Which was delivered by Rav Cook in the old city on Rosh Hashanah in 1933 As well as a story a beautiful beautiful story for Rosh Hashanah So in 1933 it was a time of you know mixed news from around the world On the one hand everyone was getting the terrible news of Hitler's reign in Germany And it became very troubling with each passing day obviously the entire Jewish world was trembling On the other hand, the Jewish community in Eretz Yisrael was flourishing. Immigration from Central Europe was increasing, bringing educated immigrants with needed skills and financial means to Israel. It seemed that the footsteps of redemption could be heard. So we say in our davening, this is from Rav Kook, we say in the davening, this is a quote from him, sound the great shofar of our freedom and raise the banner to bring our exiles together. What is the significance of this great shofar? And over here he lays out three great shofars. Very, very practical, very powerful. There are three types of shofars that may be blown on Rosh Hashanah. The optimal shofar, the best shofar, is the horn of a ram. If a ram's horn is not available, then the horn of any kosher animal other than a cow may be used. That's the second type of shofar, a kosher animal which is not a ram or a cow. And if a kosher shofar is not available, then one may blow on the horn of any animal, even one which is not kosher, the third type of shofar, even a not kosher animal. When using a horn from a non-kosher animal, however, no blessing is recited. So three shofars are as the horn of a ram, the horn of a kosher animal that's not a ram or a cow, or the horn of any animal, not kosher as well. These three shofars of Rosh Hashanah correspond to the three shofars of redemption. Three divine calls summoning the Jewish people to be redeemed and to redeem their land. The first type of shofar, the shofar of redemption is the divine call that awakens and inspires the people with holy motivations through faith in God and the unique mission of the people of Israel. This elevated awakening corresponds to the ram's horn, a horn that recalls Abraham's supreme love of God and dedication to Akedas like Yitzhak, the binding of Yitzhak. It was the call of this shofar with its holy vision of heavenly Jerusalem united with earthly Jerusalem that inspired Nachmanides, Rabbi Yehuda HaLevi, Rabbi of Bartanura, the students of the Vilna Gaon, and the disciples of the Baal Shem Tov, to ascend to Eretz Yisrael. It is for this great shofar, an awakening of spiritual greatness and idealism, that we fervently pray. There exists a second shofar of redemption, a less optimal form of awakening. This shofar calls out to the Jewish people to return to their homeland, to the land where our ancestors, our prophets, and our kings once lived. It beckons us to live as free people, to raise our families in a Jewish country and a Jewish culture. This is a kosher shofar, albeit not a great shofar like the first type of awakening we may still recite a bracha over this shofar. So very interesting, he's basically saying the first shofar is the people that come and they want to be Jewish because they feel a calling from God. It's a divine mission. And he then he lays out all the modern, you know, famous Jewish characters and famous Jewish disciples that we have. And he says, this shofar is that we feel a divine mission and we go after that divine mission. We say, we want to be Jewish because our connection to God. The second shofar, people who return to Eretz Israel, because it's a Jewish country. And because we say, okay, in other countries, if we invest over there, eventually there's got to be an Inquisition, a Holocaust, God forbid. So we want to invest in a place where it's our country. And we have our own army, and then we're protected, and then we're safe from any Holocaust ever again. He said, that's the second type of shofar. That people come to Israel because it's a practical need. We need a Jewish country here. Meaning the reason why it's a second type of shofar is obviously, you know, then it could be Uganda. Then it could be China. It could be anywhere, as long as it's a Jewish country. It's not the most optimal, but it's kosher. Then he says, there's a third type of shofar. And at this point in the sermon, it says Rav Kook burst out into tears. The least desirable of the shofars comes from the horn of an unclean animal. This shofar corresponds to the wake up call that comes from the persecution of anti-Semitic nations, warning the Jews to escape while they still can and flee to their own land. Enemies force the Jewish people to be redeemed, blasting the trumpets of war, bombarding them with deafening threats of harassment and torment, giving them no respite. The shofar of unclean beasts is thus transformed into a shofar of redemption. Whoever fails to hear the calls of the first two shofars will be forced to listen to the call of this last shofar. Chas v'shalem. Over this shofar, ever no blessing is recited. One does not recite a blessing over a cup of affliction. We pray that we will be redeemed by the great shofar. We do not wish to be awakened by the calamitous call of the shofar of persecution, nor by the mediocre shofar of ordinary national aspirations. We yearn for the shofar that is suitable for a holy nation, the shofar of spiritual greatness and true freedom. We await the shofar blast of complete redemption, the sacred call inspiring the Jewish people with the holy ideals of Jerusalem and Mount Maria. As it says in Isaiah and Yeshayahu, on that day a great shofar will be blown. And the lost from the land of Assyria and the dispersed from the land of Egypt will come and bow down to God on the holy mountain in Jerusalem. I want to share with you a story to end off. Is there was once one of the famous disciples of the Balshamtof. His name was Rabbi Zev Kitsis. He told him that this year you're going to blow the shofar in Shul. Which obviously you can imagine to blow the shofar in the Balshamtof Shul was a massive thing, right? Huge honor, big kavod. So he tells him, I want you to study all of the Kavanot, all of the Kabbalistic meditations that pertain to the chauffeur, so that you should med- meditate upon it when you're actually going to blow. He said, I want you to know it all. So Rabzev Zev was a very, very highly respected chassid. He went all the way, all, from the second he told him, this is going to be your job. He took it very, very seriously, very errands And he sat down every day, he learned all the Kavanot, he wrote them down, he had notes, he was ready. Comes the day of Rosh Hashanah, He's standing in shul, the shul is packed, it's obviously the highlight, the climax, everyone's there. They're saying the Tehillim, everything, it's about to be the shofar blowing. And observe, he's standing on the bimah, he reaches into his pocket, and his notes are gone. And I can tell you myself, personally, if that ever happens for a speech, even if you know the speech, even if you know it, whatever, but you don't have the notes just to look at them one last time, or if you like to use them during the speech, he reaches into his pocket and he panics. The notes are gone, he checks his other pocket, it Is this, that, everything, no notes. His mind goes completely blank. He forgets all of it just in the panic. He says, "It's a final. I know the halacha, whatever. And he blows the shofar. The Baal Shem Tov comes over to him afterwards and he's completely crestfallen. He's sobbing. He's so broken. He's so depressed because he was at this whole plan and he prepared and he was so excited for this awesome moment in the Baal Shem Tov Shul. You can imagine it was like, oh, it's going to be epic. And then he forgot the whole thing. And he's thinking to himself, the Baal is going to walk over to him because for sure he knows how he did it and he didn't do the kavanah. He's going to tell him, you know, you failed. The Bas comes over to him, and he tells him that was the most extraordinary chauffeur blowing we ever heard. So he thought to himself. He looks at him and he says, "Why?" He's like, you know, he obviously no. Like he feels like the Bas knew that he didn't do it the right way, even though you can't tell from the actual blowing. He said, "Why is that a good one? Why was that a good chauffeur blowing? It was empty. There was no kavana." So Bas Shemtov tells him that you should know that in the king's palace in Shemayim. There's many, many different chambers to get to the king's throne room. And every single door, in order to unlock that door, the key is the kavana. If you have the kavana and you know this kavana, this kavana to think this, and this kavana to think that, and this intention to think this, each one of the doors, then you can unlock the door and you unlock every door and you get to the king's throne room where he hears you in your prayers. But he says there's one key, which is the master key that goes through all the doors, all the way to the king's throne room, red carpet. The secret ingredient. Is a broken heart, and he said when you didn't have the notes, and you were sad, and you felt like oh that, that broken heart that was the master key you went all the way. He said that's the best one I ever heard. Okay, shanatovak siva vachasima tova.